This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest review preview mashup show. My name is Mike and I'm joined by preview maestro... An absolutely knackered father of a very young kid, Terence, along with the evergreen Nick Gillard. We're here to go over the rather depressing Monday evening defeat at everyone's, maybe except Palace's, happy place, Turf Moor, before looking ahead to a tough clash against the Toon. Join us after this. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com So, yeah, three of us got the short straw and we're covering the Burnley game for you. Um, Terence, hello. Yeah, hello. And Maestro, I like it. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll build you up and knock you down. Um, Nick, how you doing? Yeah, we did get the short straw, didn't we? I'm not sure, not so sure about Evergreen, more grey today, but yeah, I'll, I'll take Evergreen. Good, good. Yeah, Hambo is uh, very sadly off sick today. Um, might be because of his nine weeks. He's nine weeks now into his 800 calorie a day keto diet um, and he's had no booze at all. So um, the thought of probably Terence cracking open a beer. What, what have you got today? Um, I've got a beer called Ha Ha Ha. By a tiny rebel, it's a double oat, double oat, DIPA, and it is um, uh, on the eye. It's golden. The taste is lemon and guava, and the nose is trop tropical sherbet. It's a shame Albert's not here. <laughs> Fuck's sake! Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the fact it's called ha 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 would be enough to uh, to annoy Hambo. Um, well, it's abs- absolutely named for this review, to be honest. After that performance, so um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I would have aptly, I, I bought um, a load of Stenheiser, a Stenhauser from um, from Aldi. I'm sure you can tell me how much on untapped that's got, but what it actually tastes like is a bowl of shreddies. So, I mean, that tastes <laughs> like absolute dirt, um, which is how we played yesterday. So I've put that away and I've got myself San Miguel. Uh, yeah, so you're stuck with me, Mike presenting, um, but my uh, my very able colleagues with me are going to talk you through the last few days at Palace um, and we'll start off with um, Parrish's interview, Parrish's comments. Um, and here's the man himself on refunds. We decided the best choice was to go with the season tickets, put them on sale. We were 
absolutely blown away by how well people supported that. Obviously, there had to be something, an imperative to do that, save your seat or all the normal uh, reasons. What's important now is we start refunding the money as quickly as possible to people. So we've had a period of games that obviously people haven't been able to attend. We'll refund the money for those as we go through. People want to take the money back. That's absolutely their prerogative. They'll be able to use it as a credit. They'll be able to invest it in the academy if they want. They'll be able to give it to the foundation. And that will happen fairly soon in the next couple of weeks. And we'll do that on a rolling basis. But of course, now I'm, I'm very hopeful that we will be able to get some fans in the stadium. Let's say it was back to the original 6,000. With 12,000 people that have paid, you know, that's every other game somebody can, can come to. Of course, we'll refund them for the one that they can't. If there are more fans allowed in the stadium, then fantastic. Well, I mean, we know now that it's 4,000, so that'll be one in every three. Um, I, I think I'll get your opinion on this, um, Nick, because obviously you, you had um, a pretty bad time of, 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 of it with... Uh, trying to get your season ticket renewed. So what do you think of his comments this week? Yeah, it's um, it's hard for him, isn't it? Because they wanted to get the cash in. Um, but I kind of saw mine as an investment towards next season. I had the money. I, I managed to get the money together. And now it looks like I'm not going to be able to pay on a month-by-month basis ever again because they've gone over to the new um, credit company to do it. I kind of, it was money in the bank, bank for next year, but... So I won't be getting a refund. I certainly won't be investing in the academy. Um, that's for certain. I'm not sure many people will. Um, if we can go, we can go. Um, will is absolutely bursting to go to a game. Uh, I'm not sure how it will be with a lot less fans because that that's part of the atmosphere, isn't it? It's it's part of the day. Um, so I might be a bit sterile. My only my thing about it is is they say you can do it if you're in a tier one. I can't remember what what order the tiers are, but if you're in the sort of lowest risk, are they only going to invite people who live in the lowest risk areas who they've got in their database to go to the games or are they just going to get... Because people go from all over the country. I mean, you you go from Hastings. I know people who go from Scotland to home games, travel overnight on the overnighter. So how are they going to stop people from high-risk areas going into the ground and passing things on to people who've gone to the game from low-risk areas. I mean, how, how do they organise that? Well, as a, as a man that's um, sat and listened to TalkSport today while I was at work um, uh, for many more hours than perhaps a sane person should, um, I don't think they've come to the conclusion on that yet. But what I did hear was uh, Brighton are the only club that would be in Tier 1. So um could be a state where it's only the Amex where there's any fans in the Premier League. Um, I did hear yeah, also I mean, hear... So I also heard something yeah, about the, the fairness of it, um, that actually they might be better off not letting any fans in anywhere until fans can go everywhere because of the difference it makes to a team's performance if they've got supporters behind them. It's it's not fair if if one team have got fans in and another team haven't. No, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he made some other comments. He made a comment on the academy development. Let's have a listen to his comments on that and then let's hear what Terence thinks about it. I think there'll be a better academy, facilities-wise, anywhere in the country. Uh, there'll be some that probably are good, but there won't be a better one. And there certainly won't be one in such an inner city area, surrounded by so many kids that, that, that we can help. So, from a footballing sense, it's already helping recruitment, it's helping retention, 
everybody that's involved in our academy can see the excellent groups we've got down through the age groups. I think 10 of the academy have been training with the first team this week while everybody's been on international duty. I've had an hour-long conversation with Roy about kids in our academy and what ones he thinks this and he thinks that and can he develop this and can he develop that. It's just across the road, just the perfect level of remoteness but closeness, if, if, if that makes sense, to the first team. You know, and a manager that's already brought through Aaron Wan-Bissaka, already brought through Tyrick Mitchell, constantly having those boys able to go across the road, step up, have that moment, train with the first team, often for periods of weeks, and a manager that's engaged in Well, Terence, I, I can imagine what bit of that, of that statement jumped out at you. Let's hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, it's yes, yeah, a bit um, friendly saying that Aaron Wambasaka he brought him through. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I mean, having an hour-long conversation with Roy is all is all well and proper, right? Um, I just the thought of having to deal with that, to be honest. But <laughs> but it's more that you know, great what Roy thinks about him, and you can find that out. But all the way through this, what was this seventeen-minute interview on YouTube with Steve Parrish about um, various things? Um, a lot of it seemed to be leaning towards well, it certainly made me think and Hambo as well. We were talking about that it feels like he's going to get another year. <laughs> so all those who thought that the light was at the end of the, the tunnel, um, it might get a bit further in the distance, but you know, I, I don't think he bought for Aaron Wampasaka. I think that was circumstances. Um, maybe we're wrong. Maybe there's more behind the scenes that we didn't know about, but you know, Joel Ward got injured and there was no one else. That was basically that. Um, Tyreek Mitchell is another one of those where it's kind of everyone got injured and, and that'd be that but look I, I think our, our academy got off track for a bit um, I think uh, getting to the Premier League as quick as we did I don't think anyone expects us to get there and then stay there as we have um, and then having long drawn out relegation battles for the first couple of seasons and then um, giving a bunch of money for Pardew to try and push on from the good start he had um, it, it kind of turned a blind eye to the academy so it's great that we're we're getting back on track. We've got a couple of youngsters now in Wan-Bissaka who's moved on, Tyreek Mitchell, who's in there. Um, ones that are being talked about, you know, Scott Banks is looking good, albeit we actually brought him in, uh, but he's still got to come through the academy in that sense. You know, we've, there's a lot more promise there. And after a few years of losing some really, really good prospects, um, I, I forget I forget names. I've got a few of them. One of them went to Germany. Um but you know we've been out to, we've been able to stave off. Um, it was Egbo, wasn't it? Went to Germany. Yeah, so we've been out. Yeah, Mander Egbo. He went to he went to a German club. Um, didn't make it out. I think he's in. The, I think he's in the MLS now. Okay. Patrick Patrick O'Connor's probably screaming at me now. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, but well, so we look. We've staved off. We've stay. We've managed to stave off some interest for Leeds from Leeds in a player recently and stuff like that. So you know if if. You're giving youngsters world-class facilities, as Steve Parrish suggests, and you're seeing that there is a route through to the first team and Premier League minutes. Then you know it's, it can only be a good thing for us going forward. And you know, I was reading um, some old programs the other day from back in the fifties, and it's part of our identity all the way back that we bring through our our own for our academy, and um, we should still be doing that now. Is our identity? Let's carry on with it. Part of me hopes that when uh, Steve said he was talking to Roy about the academy it was saying, look, if we're playing crap like we did last night, then can't we at least get some of these players on the bench rather than having 16 defenders on there and maybe give them a chance? I hope he was saying that. Kind of in a way that, um, who was it? Um, was it Parrish in charge when um, there was a big bust-up um, and we were playing poorly? Was it with Dougie Friedman? 
and uh, suddenly we came out the next game and we played really, really well. I can't remember what chairman it was, whether it was Jordan or... Um, well, there's been a couple of scenarios like that, but there was certainly... The Millwall free... game sticks in my head, but... Uh, the Mill game, he sacked him. The Mill game, he sacked George Burley. The famous Friedman one is in the par- car park of Bristol City when we lost 4-1. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they had a big Barney and, um, yeah, everything changed from the next game. <laughs> um, and let's have a, a, a quick bit from uh, the man himself on update on the stadium redevelopment. So we agreed to Section 106 with the council, which is all of the infrastructure that we need, we need to contribute to around the stadium. The, the biggest stumbling block right now is, is trying to... We need a s- small slither of land from Sainsbury's. When I first looked at the club, say, when I, actually, at the time, one of the reasons that, that, that I kind of got more interested was Sainsbury's were basically saying they would build us a stadium. And then that became, oh, well, we, we might contribute towards a stand. And that's now become, well, if you want the car park, you've got to give us millions and millions of pounds and you've got to rebuild our car park. So, you know, they're a commercial organisation. We understand that. But I think what they're asking for is ridiculous. And at the moment, they're blocking the project, basically. It's fundamentally a ransom strip, and they're, and they're holding us to ransom. So I hope that we can get somewhere uh, negotiating with them. I think what they're asking for is ridiculous. A better stadium will only enhance their store. And we accept that we have to spend some money, give them some money for, for, for the small bit of land that we need. But we think what they're asking for is, is, is crazy. So we're looking at other avenues with the council. What I can take from that is that uh, the guy that's created all the uh, supermarket home and away strips on Twitter that's been uh, been doing the rounds this week, nobody's going to be wearing his Sainsbury's home or away kit around Palace anytime soon. Um, yeah, thanks to cpfc.co.uk for those clips. Um, obviously, the full interview's on there. If you haven't watched it yet, I assume you probably mostly have. bit of housekeeping before we get on. Um, reviews are the best way other than word of mouth which is always appreciated reviews from apple Podcasts or anywhere else um just stick a a nice few words up for us always helps us go up in the search results um you can you can catch us on youtube dr's been doing sterling work um with all manner of people um you can get involved if you want to with uh analysis after games that kind of thing our youtube channel is going from strength to strength with dr's avoidance of his university work by doing that um and obviously we've got review and preview pods um usually at least two a week so yes please um please do subscribe um and then you don't need to keep remembering to have a look it will just appear in your pod app um and one of the things we do do on YouTube is uh, a watch along of all the games. So if you if you don't want to watch the Sky commentary, uh, you can often watch Dr. and Hambo. Yesterday, uh, Heskiff of Heskiff of the uh, preview pod put a, a tweet up at half time to say um, that he he got his dog neutered uh, yesterday, and that wasn't the worst thing about the day. Um, and it led Dr. to talk about. Um, something rather strange. So let's just hear a, a quick uh, a quick clip of that, shall we, Sam, please? I've got yeah, a quote like... Heskiff of the preview pod here who, who tweeted at half-time to say, my dog got his nuts chopped off today and I'm not sure that was as painful as watching Palace so far. Whoa, why? Did he get circumcised? <laughs> that's not what circumcision is, mate. No, no, yeah, I'm that, circumcised. That is... I, not... <laughs> no, no, I'm circumcised. If... But is that like, is, it, is that what he's trying to... Uh, suggest 
Um, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have a little chat after the show. I've got some things I probably need to educate you on. Yeah, um, uh, a bit, a yeah. bit. Don't get circumcised. But, but I mean, they can. But just, just oh. so you know, for, for future reference, if someone tries to cut your balls off and saying and they're saying it's a circumcision, no, no, no. it oh, isn't. It man. isn't. That's not what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to, what to make of that, uh, Terence. Your thoughts? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'd, as as an uncircumcised male, um, I, w- I would be very concerned to find out that chopping my balls off would be what a circumcision was, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, just a, another one in the long line of DR-isms, isn't it? It is. It's, um, it's uh, that Nick, are you, are you a, a, round, a round head or are, are you a... a... Um, I'm not going to go into that, but if that clip isn't a reason to tune into the watchalongs in future, I really don't know what is, because that's just gold, isn't it? Absolute gold. Yeah, I mean, he's right about the the, the uh, mouth washing the end, wasn't he? So, you know, he might be, might be right about the dogs having their um, nads chopped off, but yeah. I mean, I just need to make clear that um, 99% of the watch along is not that entertaining. Um, <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit more Palace news before we carry on to talk about the Burnley game. Um, so the under-23s been on fire. Um, and then a, a, a 4-3 victory away at Sunderland. Uh, you know, a long trip and, and really 4-3 seemed to flatter Sunderland quite a bit. I think the one main talking point really is um, Keane Flanagan's goal. Terence, if you just want to talk us through that. Oh, it's what what a goal! I mean, it's a we string together nineteen passes before the goal is scored. I'm not I'm not sure if the first team string together nineteen passes in total in the Burnley game, but um, yeah, it's a pass all around. It's it, it, pretty much almost every player touches the ball, and it ends with a beautiful little one-two in a tight area and um, puts Fanagan through. Just slots it past the goalie, and if um, I think. The main Palace socials have been sharing it, so um, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, go and have a look. It's well worth the watch. Lovely stuff, and if, that, if that's what we've got to look through or two from the academy, we get very excited. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, full match highlights on the on the um, Palace player as well, and then um, the uh, the women's team um, in the old Conti Cup, the Continental Cup, which I, I still don't really understand the rules for. Um, so the London Bees, who have not been doing particularly well this season, I think they're They've been bottom for a lot of it. I think Tottenham managed to usurp them at the bottom of the championship. But um, Palace end up with a 6-1 win after going 1-0 down. Um, I think you just wanted to mention that the sending off, Terence. Oh, yeah. I mean, we went 1-0 down to a beautiful goal. Lovely little chip from about 30 yards. Um, but, yeah, a Palace player got through one-on-one with a keeper, rounds a goalie, um, lofts the ball goalwards from a wide area, and it's going in. And the, the girl on the line just... Beautiful tip onto the crossbar of her hand, and um, the referee doesn't give it, doesn't see it. The line, one who sees it, and they're all trying to deny that she has handballed it. But um, the replays are very, very clear. I'm sure there's no VAR at that level. Uh, they're playing on a 3G pitch, so I doubt there's VAR. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was quite the sight to see it beautifully saved onto the crossbar. But um, yeah, and then we really took advantage of the the ten men, and looks quite comfortable. And yeah, just I mean, the bees look to be struggling to be honest. So good result for the ladies. Yeah, and that was, they don't seem to have a match for a while, but um, we'll, we'll bring you up to speed on the next one. And then one, one other bit of um, Palace news, just want to bring to your attention, um, and this was instigated by the HF, um, you know, doing great work again. But this is this is across um, all, all supporters groups, really. Um, you know, the, the usual suspects, um, in, in, including the, um, the the guys over in Poland, uh, by the looks of it. But uh, the the Palace Christmas appeal, um, and they, they've um, 
they've chosen the Salvation Army who do sterling work in, in the winter months um, to help people out that are uh, on the street and that kind of stuff. So there's um, there's a GoFundMe page that has been launched. Um, it's on our socials. It's going to be on all, all, all the socials from um, any of the Palace supporters groups that you follow. So um, that will be up there. But if, if you've got a few quid, um, you know, it's, it's a tough time of year for a lot of people. And that's on a normal year, let alone let alone the crap we're going through this year. So um, people haven't, you know, apart from anything else, when I see um, the homeless guy outside Tesco in Croydon, um, I can't remember the last time I had any money in my pocket because nobody's accepting it. So um, I started bringing the old pound coin and giving to him. Um, but, you know, it's a tough time for everyone. So, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's get on to the Burnley match if we must. Um, so obviously the talking point before the game, um, go to you. Nick, because I know you'd put him in your pitch sport um, team. Um, Zaha, out with COVID, they kept it as a secret, I think. Um, <laughs> I think Terence broke it to us about two minutes before the teams came out. So, um, thoughts thoughts about the lineup? Yeah, it was um, not unexpected, really, uh, given that Zaha was out. Um, my biggest thing with the lineup was a, was more the bench than the actual people starting because we had so many defenders on there and the only real midfielder was Schluppy who's who's a winger so we we didn't have much to change it up in the middle save for being able to put Eze into the middle coming off from the wing but um I think Roy was actually hoping that Wilf would pass a test on the day of the uh the match and he it didn't come through but lots of people with their fantasy league teams as well um I think I had him as captain this week because I thought we'd score loads against a, what would seem to be a very, very poor Burnley side who couldn't score for Toffee. Um, so no no unexpected players in the um, baggage area, as it were. I, I don't know what, as a you've been a Palace fan for 30 years, what possessed you to have confidence to the point where you'd, you'd, you'd double point Zaha after we win 4-1. You, you know what's going to happen. It's just... It's just it's a schoolboy error. It, it had one nil, Tarkovsky or something goal written all over it. Um, to be, Woods obviously in the end. To um, be fair, all my other players that I've got in there had had tough matches. Um, I think I moved Son from my captain to to Wilf because potentially, if you look at it on paper, it's the only we look like the only team that could give out a Tonkin. And I genuinely, I I I completely understand where you're coming from with the they haven't won, therefore they'll win against us kind of thing. But I genuinely had confidence going into yesterday's game because Burnley have been abject. I mean, it's it's okay. We all know that he has a head injury at the moment, so um, thinking that we're going to hand out a Tonkin, we can forgive him. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and what about you, Terence? Obviously. Um, no schlup. Um, were you surprised by that? And on the bench, um, there was a lot of defenders. I mean, I sort of thought maybe he had in his mind QRA could move to midfield. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was um, it was a bit strange. I wasn't surprised Schlupp wasn't in. I think Eze was always going to keep his place after his performance against Leeds. That was for sure. Um, and I t- yeah, I think he's comfortable playing Schlupp in the middle when we had a three in there. I'm not sure he'd be so comfortable playing him with a two from the start. So that that didn't really surprise me in that in that sense. But um, I will say, you know, spare a thought for Wilf, uh, you know, having had a baby during the first lockdown, um, he's misses his fresh to pop and, you know, having to self-isolate, whether it's self-isolation or whether he actually has COVID doesn't seem to be clear. But um, 
you know, it's a difficult time enough at the moment trying to have a baby in the, in the way the restrictions are in hospitals. So um, I, I hope I hope for him it's just having to isolate and that he can be there for the birth and everything of that. Yeah, I think it's a good point. It, it, the, the comments from Hodgson after the game about, you know, him being uh, possibly available and I'm hoping doesn't mean that he's going to be available for Newcastle for, for, for the reasons Terence just stated. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, from the start in 11, Terence, um, are you and Bats up front? Um, I mean, it's it's an experiment that hadn't really been tried before. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, again, it didn't really surprise me. Um, uh, Roy Hodgson loves IU's work rate and, you know, he's he, it's his place to lose after last season. I guess I know he went through large periods where he didn't score last season, but he did finish our top scorer. And... Um, don't want to say he's never let us down because that's not true but you know he's you know he's going to work hard he's going to run run his socks off and that's what you want in a in a game away from home at Burnley uh, Batshuayi has been doing well in the national in the international breaks he's um he's been very unlucky with scoring a few goals that have been ruled out for offside so deserves a chance but um yeah it was I, I think they both kind of they didn't cover themselves in glory last night it did make me laugh in the preview pod when you talked about him scoring for Belgium and then you were assuming that it was still offside. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Hambo mentioned in the watch-along, and when I say the watch-along, this, this is yeah, we're, we're watching it live on YouTube um, and just basically commentating on it. Um, he mentioned that it seemed like we were trying to out 4-4-2 Burnley. Um, and Nick, do you sort of know what he means? Um, were we trying to out shithouse the beast that are Burnley um, and obviously it didn't work particularly well in the first half. Is that how you saw it in the first 20 minutes, half an hour of the game? Kind of, but it was, our, our defence seemed to not know what they were doing some of the time. And even uh, Gaeta had a couple of moments where he sliced the ball out or, so something, something was wrong at the back. Had that not been the case, then it might have actually worked a bit more. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a silly mistake that led to their goal. Um, and of course, Kuwati, we can't really blame too much because he's had such a good season. But I see what you mean about the setup, but we didn't exactly take the game to them, did we? And, and that's the problem we have. We With Leeds, we knew there'd be loads of space with the way that they play and we could utilise that space if we got the chances. Um, Burnley are a pretty tight unit. So it's we always struggle to break teams down when, when they're like that. And... We'd, we'd talk about that under-23 goal, which I've just had a look at, 19 passes. We had one moment in the game where we actually strung four or five passes together and there was lots of movement off the ball. If we, we're not moving off the ball, we're not going to beat any teams if they, if they because we were just so static all the time, I thought. So, yeah, it, it, it just wasn't very inspiring, was it? Well, I mean, we did have, according to the stats, we had 496 passes against their 425 um, and I always worry when we've had more than 50% possession because that usually means we've lost. Um, but I think the thing I wanted to bring up was they were knocking the ball up in the air um, and playing it straight, very direct to their strikers, um, not in a um, breakaway, catch us on the counter way, just proper hitting it up in the air. And to me, that seemed a little bit what was undoing Dan and Cuarte. There seemed to be enormous space between them at times. Um, and, and I think they, they both made some individual mistakes, but 
you know, as you say, they've had a decent season. So it's it's hard to quite pinpoint what was wrong. What, what did you see, Terence? Well, I mean, Scott Dan, as a couple of years ago, Roy Hodgson bought him in at Burnley completely out of the blue. He broke up Sacco and Tompkins and bought him in to deal with their long threat. And he's tend to deal with it well in the past. Um that's why I was a little bit surprised to see Kiate starting. I could see him being moved out if Cahill's fit um, and putting Cahill alongside him to handle that aerial threat. You know, these are two, you know, more your down and dirty centre-backs where Kiate's more, you know, he's a, he's a midfielder. He's not he's not getting his head stuck in all the time and things like that. So I was, you know, I would have preferred to see Cahill alongside him to deal with that threat. And obviously it happened very early in the game that Kiate's misread that header and, so somehow the stats are charging Scott Dan with the error for the goal, but <laughs> I don't think he can be held accountable for having his back to Kiate misheading the ball into him. But um, well, there you go. But uh, yeah, Scott Dan's done well there in the past, and I think it's more to do with Kiate. And you know, he's 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 played centre back a lot this season now, particularly for his country as well. And he's going to be getting more and more used to the position. But I I, I think in this sort of the way this game was, which is unusual to all other games we play, I think it was just a little bit too much of a step up for him. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I think I, I think you, you summed it up for me well there. Um, it, it was different to, I think, any other game in the season and, and probably different to what I expected Burnley to do. Um, well, I just you know, well, well, one point I will say what I yeah. found really interesting watching the uh, Spurs All or Nothing documentary on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's one in there, I think it's either the last episode or the penultimate episode. One of the physio guys asked Michelle Vaughan in their lead up to the Burnley game and saying, um, who's the Dutch equivalent to Burnley? And Michelle Vaughan just laughs and says, what are you talking about? Like every every Dutch team tries to get the ball down and play football. It, it is incomparable. There is no team like Burnley in Holland. Well, excellent. And and uh, as a man that's been to Burnley and, and played a gig there, there's probably not many towns like it either. Um, so I just wanted to bring up Klein and PVA. I mean, we know what to expect for PVA. Klein, still a little bit of an unknown quantity, but looking at their heat maps for the game, um, basically the majority of their time was spent in or around halfway up the pitch. Um, have we got to the point where Hodgson is, is looking at overlaps from the wing-backs as part of the tactics of going forward. And was it effective? Either of you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'd, it has to be. With, with with Ward and with Mitchell, it's not quite like that, is it? When when you're playing Klein and Van Arnholt, they're both more forward-thinking. They both have a lot of pace. They want to get forward and they look a lot more comfortable doing it than Ward and Mitchell do. Um, so you have to play them higher up the field and it, it should be a good way for us to press onto teams and you know we had more possession we we particularly in the second half we had a lot of the ball in their half so you'd expect to see them further up the field but um defensively i think they're both um klein even in his first spell when he broke through at palace wasn't that great defensively he just had such rapid pace he could often get himself out of trouble and the same sort of goes to patrick van arnholt as well and uh, in the modern game i think you've got to you've got to accept that most fullbacks have those defensive frailties because they're trying to get forward so much i mean you can you can easily find find clips of trent alexander arnold getting mugged off constantly um 
I mean, Zaha did it to him in the, when we lost 2-1 at Sellers last season. Um, it just made him look like a fool defensively. So you have to accept those frailties exist if they're putting, you know, turning out further down the field and um, creating goals or scoring goals as, you know, Patrick Bernardo has done in the past. So I've kind of got over his defensive frailties because of his forward thinking output. And yeah, this is, this is a good way. This is this is the way we're going to break down those two solid blocks of four or four and five, as we saw against Burnley, you know, where you've got one of the centre forwards dropping deep into that midfield as well every time we're off the ball. That's that's how you break these teams down. You create overlaps and underlaps, and we did it to relative success. We did create some chances last night, but um, yeah, we've still got a long way to go before we, um, you know, we're at that 40% that Steve Parrish talked about in that interview, you know, we're 40% of what we can be, and that's true of, true on the field as well, you know, getting, if we get towards that 100%, we'll be performing like Man City. Yeah, I, I mean, that brings me really on nicely to the next point I was going to make, um, because I, I, I felt that Klein had another good game going forward um including a, a decent strike early on but he he was the outlet for Townsend but in the second half when we had all that chance when we had so many chances obviously we don't need to go into them you know, you know about them if you listen to this pod you've watched the highlights over and over again when Teke's saved from Pope the one-on-one with Bats we, we don't need to go over on another day like at Leeds they might have gone in but um were we too narrow Considering we had two effective wing-backs, were we too narrow in the second half? Were we trying to thread the ball through the eye of a needle? Um, you know, we, we were getting the ball to the edge of their box, but they just had 10 men behind the ball. Were we too narrow or was there something else about it or was it just not our day? Um, it was one of those games, wasn't it? Um, where it wasn't going to happen. Um I mean, you, you mentioned that save from Pope. That was incredible, wasn't it? Any other day that would have gone in. Um, and the miss from Benteke as well. Well, I'd say any other day that'd go in, but it's Benteke, so we can't do that. Um, it's hard, isn't it? It's uh, I'm just kind of questioning Batshrai whether whether he's the right man for, for the job. I know he's the only one we've got at the moment. Uh, he's scoring goals for Belgium. He's not scoring goals for us. I mean, what's, what's the difference in the way we're playing that he's able to do that? Do we think? I mean, he's scoring goals. He's just offside. Yeah, he's and he was but, um, he was offside a lot last night. And we're think, I'm thinking a lot of balls could have been played in had he just stepped back a couple of uh, a couple of steps because he was in an offside position, and perhaps that's why the balls weren't being put in from from Townsend. Well, I can give you I can give you one example of why he scores goals for Belgium and not for us is the the chance that MacArthur flashed the ball across the penalty area uh, across the goal line basically and Batshuayi couldn't get on the end of it. Um, when he's playing for Belgium, it's Kevin De Bruyne delivering that pass and not James MacArthur. I've got a sneaky feeling he would have been offside for that. I really do. No, I, it was it would have been extremely tired. I would have had to get the old um, MS paint lines <laughs> out again. But <laughs> I, I I did wonder because MacArthur was properly busting a gut yesterday when when it seemed like maybe the, some of the rest of the team had, had realised that we we were going to lose the game with a couple of minutes to go. He was still busting a gut. Whether he's trying to get himself out of the voluntary retirement um, that he, he made himself for Scotland, so he can play in the US uh, <laughs> next season, but we'll see. Um, so, I mean, that, that does bring us on to um, what was our second topic, um, and that is, um, I think this season we could say that compared with our expected goals, um, we've we've done well, we've finished well, we've we've scored more, certainly more than we did last season. Um, 
scored a decent amount. We scored four last game, which we didn't manage the entire last season. But there's a stat that came out on Twitter this morning from uh, Match Day 365. And they've said Crystal Palace's strikers, i.e. Benteke, Batshuayi, Wickham, Tosin and Serlot, so that's not including Zahar before you come at us, have combined for 26 Premier League goals since the start of the 2017 season, 123 games. And obviously, that doesn't include just Palace, but that's an average of 0.21 goals per game. So, (laughs) would either of you like to comment on that stat? Is it just freakish or... um, is it is it another of the long running issues we've got with uh, goal scoring strikers? I've talked about it before, haven't I? We're, we're the graveyard where strikers come to die. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and I mean, this links in as well with the other tweet that's been going around by at MCFC Sam uh, Christian Benteke outscoring Premier League legends a thread. And it's basically you know, Christian Benteke's goal outputs between 2012 and 2013 season and the 2016-2017 season, where he scored 66 goals in 154 appearances. And if you look at similar goals in a, to appearances ratios over this period, you know you can look at the same periods and he's, he's better than Drogba, he's better than Van Persie, he's better than Andy Cole when he was at his peak, better than Carlos Tevez, better than Wayne Rooney, better than Robbie Fowler. You know, all all into his second season of Michael Palace. Michael Owen's and, the one I noticed yeah. that stuck out. Michael Owen to the Well, yeah, exactly. You know, if you look, 154 appearances. Uh, Michael Owen scored 64 goals. Benteke scored 66 goals. And you know, it's it's, it's, it's something's happened. I mean, we we obviously stopped playing to his strengths very very quickly. You know, Allardyce played for him, and you know, the ball was punted to his head a lot, and he scored a lot of goals in that first season. Then he got a bad injury. Um, we just make it sad, really, that you know that what what could have been for us with the striker that he was, and we, and we always think every season can he rediscover that form, but um, he doesn't do it. But uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I, I'm surprised it was as many as one in five. Um, to be honest, the goal scoring rate amongst our strikers. Well, now, I mean, I, I, he must have brought that average up because what he scored nine last season, he scored one this season, one this season before, so he's got nearly half of them. Well, you know what's insane as well, though. So I, I, I've got the Brighton one nil victory recorded on my Virgin box, and I watch it every now and then when um, after after games like last night when I need some cheering up. <laughs> and I and I think they say you know it's, when he scores in that one, you know he's ending a fifteen odd gold <laughs> gold game goal drought in that one. Um, so he went large periods where he didn't score as well and would um, score in fashion. He had, what, you know, he only got, what, what did you say? Did he get nine last season? Nine last season. Oh, that might have been in total. I'm not sure. I'm sort of yeah. correct. I remember. Yeah, I think maybe it was, I, I'm thinking seven for some reason, but you know, it's, it, it's not, it's not a prolific, it's not prolific, is it? It's not, you know, at our level, what you'd be thinking, we want someone who's going to get somewhere between sort of 15, 16 goals, ideally. And um we just haven't had that for a long time. Apart from Will. But what, what he lacks in goals, he makes up for in just being the most lovable human being. Uh, so, sorry, Nick, yeah, carry said, on. Apart from Will, I mean, I is the one that cried when he finally scored against Grimsby. It was such a relief because he had such a barren spell, wasn't he? So, <laughs> that it was, was, was he cried at Wolves. He cried at Wolves when uh, he scored in the league. Yeah. I, I cried <laughs> at, the, at the Grimsby goal after 86 minutes of watching that toss. Oh, I was so I was so celebrating so hard because that was at a point where I was pre-baby and still going to every game, and I'm just like, I've got to go to Grimsby. I've got to go to Grimsby on a Tuesday <laughs> night, you know. And I'm I'm not as young as I used to be, where that might have excited me. 
just, I just, mean, uh, right now we'd all kill to go to Grimsby away in the fucking League Cup. So. Yeah. Just just back to yeah. you, you were talking about injury and how Benteke's not been the same. I can't remember who said it. It was either Murray or Townsend, but they when they had their injuries, they said afterwards they had to change the way they played to adopt to their new physicality and kind of did well out of it. Yeah, Murray. Benteke hasn't really done that, has he? Yeah, no, Andros Townsend did talk about that as well. He talked about how he lost his acceleration off the spot and for too long after that, he tried to play like he still had that explosive pace um, and he you know, he long realised he didn't and had to adapt his game. And Yeah, but I, I mean, Benteke still wins the ball in the air a lot. I, 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 the in, maybe the injury has something to do with it. He's definitely lost a little bit of pace, but he's not been someone who's always relied on his pace. His dominance is in the air when the ball is crossed to him in the penalty area, and we've we've just not done that. We've just, especially under Hodgson, it's not just not the way Hodgson plays um, to get balls into the box. Um, although, ironically, the only time we ever seen to put high crosses into the box is when Benteke is not on the field. But that's a chat for another day, or a chat I think we've probably overdone, to be honest. Well, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I can add something that we don't usually add. So, um, that, uh, according to the stats on who scored. Um, we made 24 crosses against Burnley, um, against their 11, against us. We had 15 shots, 10 from open play. Um, let's not talk about the um, the, the dead ball stuff. I, I was annoyed that um, Townsend was taking it. I could, I could see the reasons why they obviously thought that um, Eze's way of taking things didn't suit against the, the, the tall Burnley defence. But the stats suggest um, that we did put in service yesterday Where, how many of those were whilst Benteke was on the pitch I don't know and what counts as a cross I certainly don't remember 24 um, but you know they, they played 83 long balls against our 49 and 48 of those were probably from Guaita so um, it, 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 the stats don't reflect what we all think so something it, it, perhaps it's the way certainly Townsend put in a lot of crosses but they tended to be from starting point of inside the shadow of the 18 yard box um, which is not what you traditionally think from across. You expect it to be from from near the byline. So, um, yeah, I mean, Terence, you're absolutely right. I've done it to death, and and there's not necessarily much point in in in, in talking about it again. But the only thing I wanted to bring up was stats on um, Batshuayi, who a lot of people said had a, a, a really poor game against. Um, Jay Rodriguez, who got man of the match, or as Eddie Howe kept referring to him, Jay Rod. <laughs> um, so the, their ratings were quite similar six and a half against 6.27 um, they both had two shots um, their pass success rates were both around 80 um, Jay Rodriguez had two dribbles against Batchwise one um, Batchwise actually won a couple of aerials in, in, and, and Rodriguez didn't um, and they were both dispossessed three times so stats you really can take anything from them um, certainly from watching the game um, it looked like old J-Rod's considerably outplayed Batchwire, but um, you can take stats to mean anything. So um, we're just going to end the discussion on Burnley with um, a, a, a quick uh, a quick comment, a quick uh, remembering what was said in the preview pod. So producer Sam, would you kindly um, just tee up something that Terence said for me, please? I mean, we're five, five points off the top. We're uh, three points off of six, uh, off of fourth. Sorry, so you know why not? Ah, <coughs> oh, we've been here before. 
we've been here before we as soon as we start talking about anything positive we'll um we won't win for six games or whatever but um you know our our, our run of games coming up is is favorable if you're going into this we don't play anyone really till the 12th of december so burnley newcastle west brom if we found a way to get victories in all those games we're gonna be coming we'll, we'll be in the top four come christmas or approaching christmas um, which is pretty mental. So, yeah, I mean, there, there was a point in the preview show where um, yourself and Heskis referred to Will finally getting his, ta- his dream of Champions League football with us. <laughs> um, so uh, any comments before we move on? I think you you all know, and everyone who listens to the preview pod knows that we're all we're all having a laugh and talking tongue in cheek there, and um, that's definitely towards the end of the show as well, where we're, we're a couple of beers in. So, uh, yeah. but no, but did I did I lie? We our, our fixtures are favourable, were favourable, and um, you know we should have been good turning up to Burnley and expecting to win the game. And you know, you, you talked about fifteen chances. It was that's our most chances we've had in a game since the opening game of last season, or not the opening game or opening win when we beat Aston Villa uh, so that's that's the most chances we've had, had in a game since then uh, so we probably could have won the game but the problem is you know we set up to play defensively very often but we have five five clean sheets in our last 30 odd games riddle that one out well yes um, let, let's let's have a break on that um, and uh, we will come back and have a, a little word about pitch sports Back of the Nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fantime videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So yeah, our sponsor, Pitch Sport, um, they are a rather lovely app where you can you can choose your starting 11 ahead of the game, um, make your predictions and then after the game, uh, review players and then, and then see what the general consensus is. So um, Nick, can you talk us through who ended up being man of the match uh, according to Palace? Fans, and um, how accurate were your predictions? Uh, well, I predicted a 3-0 win for Palace. And I got the line-up totally wrong because I picked Wilf. Um, other than that, um, Eze got man of the match. Um, most people predicted a score of 2-0 to Palace. And only 29% of Burnley fans correctly predicted a win for them. So, you know, shows how much they, they thought they'd have. Um, the good thing about it is you can... You can rate everything from from what you thought about the team selection, the referee, the manager, and the atmosphere. And quite quite obviously, the atmosphere is always going to be zero stars. Um, it's quite interesting. 
Well, it, it it depends how good the person is with the with the audio, isn't it? When they when they it's it's all I, I give it extra atmosphere when they they pull in like a you know a cheeky comment when the, the goalkeeper kicks it out or something like that. You know, you just hear the fans go, you know, I'll maybe give him an extra half. I'd a like stop. to see the 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 board the, the bloke who does that has got in front of him what what labels he's got on all the different buttons because obviously he's got to be pretty nifty to to know when to shove in a your shit ah, hasn't he and. Uh, and whatever. Sorry, just got to keep Sam busy. Um, you can also have mates on there. Now, I'm on there, um, and you can link up with your friends. They don't give you easy codes, so I'm going to repeat my codes. Once you go on the Pitch Sport app and you want to compete against me, um, my code is ZSPZVW. That's ZSPZVW. Perhaps when I tweet out my squad selection for Newcastle, I'll actually put my code in. So, um yeah, we'll, we'll, back we'll, of the we'll, we'll tweet it out. Do it. Yeah, and and who was my your man, man of the match, match was Gyro. Um, surprised he was bought off really because he's he's one of our creative outlets. He wasn't having his best game, but um, as he as he could have been, but I don't think he was up to up to what he was against Leeds. But then none of the team really were. It was it, we were too nervous. Uh, and Terence. My man at a match, uh, it, it had to be Eze. I mean, he, he was, you know, very forward thinking. Uh, there was a, there was a couple of times where, you know, the, the easy pass was on for him uh, to just play it in and hold possession and keep it on. But a drop of the shoulder gets him around some really good pressure and all of a sudden it opens the field up for him. And I think there was quite a few times where, whether it was Ayu or Batshuayi were caught on their heels from his fast thinking and firing passes into them to try and bounce it off of them and them just not being prepared for it. So again, that I've talked about this on the preview pod, that will come with game time, that those link-ups will start to work, we hope, as the season goes on. But yeah, he's just a breath of fresh air and I, I, I just can't wait to actually see him in the flesh. Yeah, it's testament to him that I actually thought my man of the match was uh, was Townsend, but that's because I'm already expecting a high level from Eze, even after a couple of games. So, yes, a good point. Hang on, wait. So, wait. <clears throat> Did you just say your man of the match was Townsend? Yeah. We've got to have a falling out over this. Because, and I think it's quite been quite a hot topic on Twitter about where, who's, about his performance. I think on who scored, he was actually our highest rated player. But stats can lie, as we've already previously discussed. He passed the ball to the sideline, what felt like more times than he passed the ball to Crystal Palace players. And it wasn't... I can forgive players, a bit like as they did a couple of times in the game, if your pass is trying to go into the penalty area onto a run where it's a high-risk, high-reward pass, I can forgive that. Townsend ruined promising positions multiple times by either passing the ball into the touch or just giving the ball away from simple five-yard passes. And it was infuriating to the extent that when he took off Riedervald and brought on Schlupp instead of doing it for Townsend, whoever it was, when, when Riedervald came off and it wasn't Townsend, my remote nearly went through the TV. <laughs> but um, thankfully, I managed to hold on to it. Well, I, I'm just going to counter that by saying that um, after they went 1-0 up and we were really struggling... It felt to me that the only player that was really willing to take things by the scruff of the neck for for a twenty minute period where we were looking like we could, you know, we could go to the point where we were just ten men behind the ball was Townsend, and um, I dare say a decent amount of those twenty four crosses were those sort of diagonal balls he put in from the edge of the box for that period. Um, I'm not, I don't think he had a great game all the way through, but I, I don't think anyone particularly did. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I probably 
if if I hadn't already got such a, a high opinion of Eze in a sort of Zahar style way, I, I'm sure I would have given him man of the match. But uh, I've already sort of got him on a, on a higher level to to start with. So um, yeah, I, 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 I thoroughly take on those points. Um, right, let's get some listener feedback. Um, Ash Easton. Um, some of this we've already covered, but very disappointing last night and proves we need to keep Wilf. On the goalkeeping front, why don't we catch the ball anymore? Up front, nobody looked like they wanted to be there. Defence looked the same. Uh, well, let's just let's just touch on the goalkeeping front. Um, so, Gwaita has had a bit of criticism um, recently for some, some non-accurate balls, but is that because he's been asked to play long balls and is punching an issue or is it just what he's comfortable with? That's what he's always done. I don't. It's not been a problem in the past. Um, he'll he'll claim it when he feels like it's right to do. But at the moment, he's under a bit of pressure. He elects to punch, and that's just always always the way he's been. Um, and it's more of a your European style of goalkeeping. So I've got no problem with it as long as he gets distance on it, like he so often does. It's, it it shouldn't be a problem. In defence yeah. of him, um, uh, he did sweep very well last night. I thought on a couple of occasions. He he did, which which was needed at times, definitely. Um, so um, from. Bella, at Bella Bite Me on Twitter, why the insistence on starting a toothless IU? If he's dropped, then this allows Eze to move centrally. Then with PVA or Schlup for the left. Um, it, it, is, is Hodgson going to do that? Uh, it, well, QPR fans, we, we've said it ever since we, we bought the player that he's, he's primarily a player that plays in the centre, but Roy wants him out on the left. And if what Roy wants, Roy will do. I, I, I can't comprehend why he'd do that because seeing him when he, I know on his heat map he drifted in a lot and he seems to do better better there maybe, maybe he's trying to make him a more complete player by being able to play in many different positions I don't know but um, if he's better in the middle bloody play him there because we got Slup Slup can play on the left I've got no problem with Slup out there because he's somebody who'll run with the ball and put the wheels up anybody he's running towards he really will he's got the speed he's got the burst of, burst of pace so, yeah, it's beyond me why he's not playing in the middle. Putting the willies up, people. Excellent. Leif Anderson's forehead. I'd personally like to thank Roy and the team for that magnificent performance to put me in a great mood for my working week. Excellent. Robert Bailey has uh, no thoughts that can be repeated. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Jedi, can we bring back PPV so we don't have to watch that rubbish? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, <laughs> At, at Saver 74, Sire, do we think Batshuayi has been spending too much time hanging around with Ben Teke? He's finishing his starting to look similar. Terence, is that harsh? Um, yes. I mean, is it that one he pinged in against Brighton from the offside position? Uh, that wasn't too terrible. I uh, think he should have scored last night, but at the same time, you know, Nick, Nick Pope's a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, sometimes it's all very easy to look at your own players and criticise, but at the same time, you know, this is a man who's pushing for England number one spot. He's a fantastic shot stopper and twice made himself very big to deny our two Belgium strikers. Yeah. Uh, Gary's asked him when we're announcing the shirt competition stuff. I'll do that in a bit. I've been told to read a statement out. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, and, and he's also asked, why as a club do we always seem to show such faith in players when they've clearly not been contributing? Benteke, Wickham to name a couple. Um, well, I mean, Wickham, I'm not sure, comes into that because he's barely played. Benteke you know, only came on for, what, 13 minutes. Um, I, I'm not sure that's the case at the moment. I, I, I don't know what you what you guys think. I, I think at the moment, more than it has been the last couple of years, um, the players that have been doing best for us on merit are the ones that are starting. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think uh, keeping faith with Wickham was a lot more to do with off the field and his mental health and actually looking after him than actually he's playing he's playing time and stuff like that. And I don't he won't get another new contract now. He's got himself back on his feet. So I expect Connor Wickham to go in this summer. Um, ben Teke, we need to retain some sort of value. He's, he's he's big money on our on our cost sheet. So we need to try and get some sort of transfer fee for him at some point. And you know, our, our cost sheet will look a lot better once we get him off with some money and get his wages off the weekly bill, that's for sure, especially for his outputs. But, you know, I think it's time for him to move on. I think it'll be best for everyone. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. A couple more. Uh, Frenchy, question on yesterday's performance. What the fuck was that? Um, yeah, I think we've tried to cover that, but um, fair point, Frenchy. And then Greg Eggs. Um, I really hope that's your real name, Greg. Playing too narrow again. Townsend always looking to cut inside on his left foot rather than using width. Eze doing the same. Um, I think we've we've kind of covered that. Um, is is Eze responsible for some of the narrowness? Uh, absolutely, but then that's where Klein and Patrick van Arnhout are supposed to do the overlaps, underlaps down that down those flanks. And um, uh, again, I I think you know there's a. Is that there's still an element of learning this four four two in the way that we're trying to play it with the new personnel and um, making it work. I I, th- I think if you look back to the Ruben Loftus cheek season towards the back end of the season when it all started to click for everyone, we annihilated teams, and I think that could come further down the line this season that we'll 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 stick a few past a few teams, but um, maybe that's just a blind optimism. I, I like the positivity. Um, I would hazard a guess that if it was Hambo and DR, it would be less positive. Right, let's have a quick preview on Newcastle. Um, a team looking down the list of uh, results since we've been in the Premier League. It's just it's just up and down. In my head, we don't have a particularly good record against them. Particularly remember that 1-0 defeat. Um, I think that was a couple of seasons ago. They scored with about five minutes to go. I think it was John Joe Silvey. Um but yes, uh, we've actually won two of the last three. Um, so what are we predicting in terms of how we're going to go about beating a Newcastle side, which I think it's quite hard to understand what you're going to get from um, on a week-to-week basis at the moment. Um, let's start with you. Well, I've had a quick look at their forum to see what their fans think of how they're doing. And they seem to think that the players like Steve Bruce because he just lets them toss about in training because they have zero clue what they're doing on the pitch. They rank 20th in the league for shots per game, 20th in the league for shots per target, 20th in the league for touches in the opposition box. They're, they're, they're trying to outdo us, aren't they? So um, they're not very good. Um, I think uh might have been Robbie Savage called them abject in their last game. So it's bound to be a win for them. So we've really, we've, we've really got to <laughs> learning, learning quick. We've really got to take the ball to them. We really have because it's if we, we're talking about that under twenty three gold earlier, where the nineteen touches. If we can pass and move, which is surely the basics of football coaching, pass and move, pass and then move to a place where you can get Work for you, Liverpool, didn't pass it? the ball and then move somewhere where you can get the ball back from the play you've just given the ball to, rather than keeping your shape. And surely we got to start taking some teams apart if we do that, but. It's hard because what Roy's doing is working in some games, but not working in others, and we're doing the same thing every game. It would seem. 
We've got to take the, the ball to Newcastle like um, Heskiff's dog Boyd took his ball to the vet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, no, look, I, I, New, Newcastle have been a bit of a mixed bag this season. And I, you know, but the Chelsea game, they, they, their last defeat, they were absolutely dreadful. And abjects is the right word to, to put across to them. But uh, Callum Wilson is out, and this is this is huge. Uh, you know, they've got Andy Carroll up front, and the, the successes he's had against us in the past, he's not the same player anymore. Um, and without Callum Wilson, their goals do tend to dry up. He scored a lot of them this season, so um, it's certainly they looked dreadful. Um, but Burnley have looked dreadful, so who who knows what's going to happen without without Wilf um, they're going to be any team you know Eddie Howe talks about it on Sky Sports last night saying you know when when you t- you go against Palace when Zaha isn't playing you you notice the difference so they all know that it's a little bit easier so Newcastle will be all week talking about all week the short week that we have talking about how you know Zaha's out this is this is our opportunity to get things back up and running so who knows? Just hopefully it won't be Saint Maximan that um, you know has one of these days where a bit like Balassi did, where occasionally he just turns into an absolute world beater and tears you apart. I mean, to me, it's got Andy Carroll written all over it because Andy Carroll light Jay Rodriguez tore us apart yesterday. Um, you know, obviously styled himself on Andy Carroll from about 2016. Um, it, I mean, let's uh, that that Andy Carroll's world beat was probably the last goal he scored, and that was against us. So, um, yeah, I, I I've, I've got fears of another of another one nil. But um, what what do you think um, Roy will have learnt from the Burnley game? That will be, well, what would you like to think he's learnt um, that will be done differently? Well, I don't. Uh, I mean, it's two completely different opponents. I think. Um, so I, I'm not sure I learned anything differently, whether it gives him an excuse to, you know, MacArthur was a bit below par. Um, so maybe he can get Kiate into the midfield, finally get Cahill alongside Dan in defence. So you, you, we might see some shifting around there because you've got to think long term, he's going to want Cahill in that back four. So maybe, especially with the lack of clean sheets we've been having. So it, you know, if you look at the clean sheets we have had of those five, I was talking about four of them were all in a row, wasn't they? Or at least three of them in the one nil, one nil, one nils um, just before the first lockdown. And yeah, Cahill was yeah. Cahill was instrumental in those games. So um, yeah, you've you, you, you've got to look again. Cahill went back into that back four, so potentially that could happen um, if he's fit enough to do it. Um, does Joel Ward come back in? I don't. I don't know. I don't think against a side like Newcastle. Maybe more against a side that is a bit more attacking. You maybe would see that, but um, I don't think he's emblazoned with options at the moment, is he? You know, he's he's, he's pretty much going to have to be the same team, maybe with the odd tweak here and there. But other than that, it's going to be a four four two. It's going to be Eze. It's going to be Townsend, very likely, and. Um, yeah, we go again and see if uh, Batshuayi can finally get on the end of something legally. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that um, whatever tactic was used for the for the corners for uh, Burnley is is abandoned, and we go back to to Eze, who looked so good with um, dead ball situations against Leeds. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll probably leave that there, unless you two want to mention anything else about Newcastle. Um, no, I just gutted we can't be there. I know, I know a couple of Newcastle London fans, and we'd be drinking with them before the game and stuff like that. So, gutted, gutted, still as always that we can't be there just yet. Well, I mean, the news has been positive this week. Um, 
I mean, if uh, presumably London's going to be tier two, so um, it might still be a while. But um, if we can get even to one in three, that might mean that we get a couple of games each um, before the end of the season. Um, let's hope that the the bubbles we requested are allowed and we actually get to go with people we know rather than just standing on our own like Billy No Mates. So what you've all been waiting for and what I really don't understand is the results of the competition that was put on Twitter. So I'll read a statement from our our patriarch, Mikey, uh, producer Mikey, who's not producing today because it's Sam is. Um, he decided to copy, I think it was Tesco's uh, idea. So on... He's written this as though it was a police statement. On the 10th of November, we launched a Twitter competition. All we asked people to do was quote retweet one of on one of our tweets. The tweet read, quote tweet this quote tweet this tweet and get zero likes, zero retweets, and zero comments by 10 p.m. tomorrow, and you'll win this season's home or away shirt. We had hundreds of responses. Most people were taken out of play by other entrants liking, commenting, or retweeting their messages. However, we did have some winners. I'd like to say I tried it myself um, and I said to anyone that liked or commented my tweet uh, that their favourite band was the Lost Prophets. That one and only. Yeah, that one. Shinobi versus Dragon Ninja. And Mark Drew, a long-term listener, liked my comments so you are indeed a lost profits fan sir someone else said um you're a fan of jimmy savile if you like this within seconds someone had liked his tweet so that was the kind of tactics people I, were doing um, people were retweeting i so- even set up accounts blocked back of the nest blocked anybody to do with back of the nest and retweeted it and still somebody managed to get through even though i had zero followers i don't know don't know what the what the score is there i, I believe if you blocked the um Back of the Nest uh, account, that wouldn't have worked because Mikey looked through and if he couldn't B- see it, B- then it wouldn't have worked. I, um, B- I would B- have B- unblocked it with an hour to go, though. I see, I see. That's clever. That's giving people ideas. So can we can we have some kind of drum roll, Sam? Can we have some kind of ambient music? Um, excellent. No. Excellent. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that'll do. So if it's, if it's not in the show, Doc, it's not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> so the winners of three shirts, and uh, apparently, this is quite specific as well, please email hi at backofthenest.com. That's hi at backofthenest.com. By 8 p.m. this Thursday with your shirt preference, size and address, and we'll arrange for these to be sent out. I don't know what happens if you reply at tw- 2001. Um but can, can we make that, that clear that it is high as in H I and not H I G H? Yeah, that's in hello. That's a, that's a completely different email address. But I'm sure if you, if, you, if you DM us on on Twitter as well. Um, so the winners are at CPFC Eze. So that's CPFC E Z E. You've won one uh, at Palace Matt. But this is Matt with three T's. So pa- at Palace Matt with two T's. I'm sorry for getting your hopes <laughs> up and then shooting them down. And then Bang. at CPFC Luke two so again at cpfc luke sorry you've been shafted it's at cpfc luke two so all three of you have won a home away kit of your uh, shirt of your choice um yes so get the email in and i don't know how we've come across those but yeah somebody's paid for is them it, for you so is it actually a palace shirt or is mikey gonna say it's actually a brighton shirt they've won 
No, it's a proper yeah. palace shirt. There's more here. We're aware that people did enter, but had certain privacy settings enabled, which meant we were unable to verify their tweets. Exactly 10 p.m. on the 11th of the 11th, 2020, we recorded ourselves scrolling through every entrant visible to us and found the three winners. The people who had these privacy settings turned on, unfortunately, <laughs> did not show on this list and were therefore not considered as winners. If anybody would like to see this recorded evidence, please email hi at backofthenest.com and we're happy to verify the steps we took to ensure this competition was 100% fair to everybody. And this statement shows that this is more airtight than either my divorce statement or the time I got arrested. Um, (laughs) Mike Fairley is, um, well, uh, well, just sounds like a blast at parties, to be honest. (laughs) He does indeed. Um, (laughs) But then he's put in, in, he's highlighted this, but don't worry, there's a new competition Uh, Please visit our Twitter page now. The tweet went live at 8 o'clock on Tuesday, so that's uh, before we started recording, and find the relevant tweet. Follow the information on this, and you could win a shirt with Wilf Zahar on. You've until Saturday at 20 o'clock, so don't don't delay. Do not delay. There are a few terms. There's only one shirt available to win. You must get a full hour on your tweet with no likes, retweets, or comments. Any privacy settings that hide your tweet will be voided and not entered. We'll record the winners when the competition ends out of fairness. Please visit at WPDigital2 on Twitter for an example of the shirt and other Palace merch. So I presume the fine people at WPDigital2 have provided us with merch. So thank you very much. So yeah, you can win another shirt. So if you didn't win before, you can win now. Um, and that is indeed enough is, of um, that. Sorry, is Eskiff um, doing a competition to win uh, his dog's balls in a jar? Um, for those that don't want to go for the shirt, I think Dia might be interested. Or, or his dog's removed foreskin, <laughs> I presume, as well. Um, <laughs> wow, beautiful! And um, that'll come. He, he'll empty um, a jalapeno jar, leave a little bit of the brine in, and it'll be in the bottom. It'd be lovely. It'd be better than the shirt. Uh, yeah, we'll stick that up as well. Heskiff, I'm sure, will provide you with information. But yes, thanks for listening and special thanks for those who did get in touch. Um, we did read out absolutely everything and it did go towards the show. We just can't fit it all in. Thank you. Please keep doing it. Thank you to Nick and Terence for keeping me company. Sam for producing, coming up with all the clips. And mainly you lot for listening to this crap even after that Burnley game. So until next time, come on, you Palace. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by PitchDMM.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.